You're listening to Someone Like Me. This episode was recorded in the early months of 2022. We had just purchased our new Survivor Restoration Campus, and the conversations you hear in this third season will refer to this campus as well as our former name, End Slavery Tennessee. In 2023, our organization rebranded to Ancora Tennessee, ushering a new era as we nurture survivor healing and strategically combat human trafficking in this state of Tennessee. Now, without further ado, we present Season 3 of Someone Like Me. Please enjoy. This is Someone Like Me, the official podcast of Ancora, Tennessee, formerly known as In Slavery, Tennessee. This podcast helps you learn more about the ways Ancora, Tennessee is combating human trafficking in this state by providing specialized case management and comprehensive aftercare for human trafficking survivors and tactically addressing the problem through advocacy, prevention, and training of frontline professionals. By now, you've learned that the legacy of End Slavery, Tennessee, born from founder Derry Smith, is continuing on as Encora, Tennessee. In 2019, Margie Quinn was named the new CEO, and it's under her leadership that Encora, Tennessee is increasing capacity to fulfill its mission. Margie left Encora, Tennessee in the fall of 2022 to assume the position of the Commissioner of the Department of Children's Services. It's a huge deal, and we are so excited for her. And her work in recent years in Encora, Tennessee has led to a new direction for this organization. You've heard us talk about the Survivor Restoration Campus. It could be called the cornerstone of the new direction for this organization. It's an expansive property that allows us to provide more safe and stable housing options and so much more. Today's episode tells the story of how this beautiful property nestled in the hills of Nashville came to be at the center of an organization providing healing, housing, and hope to those exploited by human trafficking. Margie Quinn and Stacey Elliott talk about this place, where it came from and where it's going, right in the heart of the property itself. Listening to this episode should give you a sense of hope and purpose in the fight against human trafficking. Okay, so we are here with Margie Quinn, CEO of Ancora TN. One of the things we want to set up in this conversation, we want to talk about what's happening this year and in the coming years for Ancora and what changes, what growth. And this has really been something that you've been spearheading, kind of riding on the vision that Derry Smith started all those years ago. So what can we be expecting this year um, and then in the coming years? I think we delivered a big dream to the governor about this time last year, about February. We're laying down this podcast in February, and I think not even thinking that it could possibly come true, and the governor said, yeah, we we buy into that, and of course, they did big time with $3.5 million in a first iteration in a one of three, and so... Many folks know we bought a big campus, big track of land in greater Davidson County, and we are currently renovating a 10,000-square-foot structure in order to house eight women, eight additional women. 
And as we continue to build on this property, build cottages for independent living, build a healing and resource center, build out a workforce development program, continue programming over a longer period of time so that we can deliver healing services in a more intense way, we think that the outcomes for survivors are going to improve dramatically during that time period. I think in the long term, if you want to like dig into the nitty gritty, we're doing this podcast right now from the main structure. From, yeah. Exciting, and, isn't it? And mm-hmm. and we're in a soundproof room because otherwise you would hear saws and sanders uh-huh. and, uh-huh. Uh, you know, all the kind of construction that's going on in order to, to make this structure work for the clients that we're serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that it's going to meet their needs and make sure that it meets our staff's needs, too. Um, we've got to be able to deliver the kind of care that we want to deliver in this space. And that means also occupying the space, both as a residence and as a care center. And so that's, that's because taken some this thought. Is, this yeah. space is a house that it was right. built as a residential house. Beautiful, big, gorgeous, lots of room to work with to build walls, take down walls to make sure it facilitates all the things it needs to. Right. And we want to make sure because this property is so beautiful, we want to make sure we have a lot of indoor outdoor spaces. We want to make sure we take advantage of the beauty of the nature that exists on this property. It's overwhelming. I think how wonderful this this space is, both inside and outside. Well, I remember when I came here the first time, this is kind of tucked into the hills of greater Davidson County, Nashville, and you just take this breath, and it's far away from the interstate, so you don't hear any sound. You just hear birds and wind, and there's, there's like just hills. And for people to come here, for survivors to come here and to experience healing and restoration, and for that to be the center of all of this work, I think is going to be incredibly profound. Uh, It's really wonderful to think about. It is. It's just this hidden jewel, I think, that we were so fortunate to be led to. And I think this is going to be so great for staff. I think this is a really heavy, heavy work that we're engaged in. And it can be really heavy for the staff um, working with survivors through their trauma. And so I think All the things that you just talked about are also going to benefit the staff who work here. And we can do some healing as well while we're out here working with Mm -hmm. with clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that sets our organization apart. I mean, we provide therapy as a benefit to our staff. And when you think about how we treat each other as a team and how we set ourselves up to help, uh, help each other manage this heavy workload, it can have a lot of turnover. But we are trying to put in place systems that help build out ways to grow, develop as a staff. It's brilliant. And let me say, it's hard to do in a nonprofit, mm-hmm. especially one as young as we are. But Margie, you're doing it. Can You, you want to talk a little more about some of the other things that are happening on our staff with employment and Sure. We are in the midst of hiring quite a few new staff members. We were able to raise our pay ranges just a little bit, and that's brought in kind of an influx of super qualified people. So we're really excited. We're taking staff in a little bit more clinical direction. And then we're also, and this is super exciting, cutting edge stuff, we're going to be laying the groundwork this year in order to build out a more robust juvenile program. Mm. And in our talks with the governor and the administration, we have really emphasized that as a tremendous gap and a need for the state of Tennessee. And I think they see that as well. 
we do so much work in collaboration with the Department of Children's Services, with law enforcement. We just participated in a big multi-agency operation where we went out to identify children who were either missing or at high risk just to do a touch in the community with them or to try to locate them um, and get them into a safer situation. And so as we continue to build out services for juveniles, those services need to include residential placement. We know that already between 40 and 50% of our client base are people under the age of 18. We're laying down this podcast on February 10th and We know that we've already had 46 referrals this year. Um, The youngest two were six and 10. Mm. And so we know that the need is only growing as our ability to identify and and do early intervention Mm -hmm. with trafficking victims. At some point, we have to turn the spigot off because juvenile trafficking victims are very likely to become adult trafficking victims if there's not an intervention. And so this is what we have put forth as the answer the way to sort of address this as a state strategy is to create these homes, create this programming, and try to cut that spigot off between juvenile trafficking and adult trafficking. It's very important. And I, I want to also say that I, all this setup is licensed, which is a tricky thing, which I right. think why yes. it hasn't existed in the past is because it is so difficult to go through those procedures. But you've got everything you need as far as your background and then the partners we need with the state to make that happen, right? So this is the perfect time. Right. And and again, those key hires that we're going to make this year are going to start that planning process for licensure. We're going to be developing protocols and policies and handbooks while these facilities are being built in order to... As soon as they're built, as soon as they're ready for occupancy, we want to have everything in place in order to be able to apply for licensure and accreditation so that we can begin the housing process and placement Mm -hmm. with juveniles. We don't want those houses to remain empty because there are kids that need to be in there. Right. And what are the options now? Foster care? That's a great question, Leslie. There's really nothing between foster care, which is sort of a placement zero, Um, level zero, and level four, which is either a level four psychiatric hospital, which is a full-on lockdown facility, or a detention center, which is a full-on lockdown facility. There's nothing in between. Wow. And so we have the problem where we're probably over-classifying some individuals, and we're probably under-classifying some individuals. So our aim right now is to make this facility a level two, which makes it a staff-secure facility. Mm. It doesn't mean barbed wire but it does mean locked doors. It does mean, you know... They, for safety. For safety reasons. Yeah, okay. But it's a home. It's going to be a home. It's a house. It's a residence, not a detention center. And so we need the ability to step down out of a level four because some, because of trauma, do end up in level four psychiatric hospitals, and that's an appropriate placement initially. But we need the ability to step down out of that level four into a level two, or we need the ability to step up if a child Mm -hmm. is not doing well in foster care or who has been identified um, with complex trauma, mental health issues, and having been trafficked. We, We need the ability to have a placement that sits between sort of zero and four. Are there other models from other states that are doing this kind of thing? There's very little across the country. There are a couple of places that we're looking at There's a place in Atlanta. There's one in North Carolina. There's a new one in Birmingham with the Well House. We've kind of modeled some of our approach to delivering services through a residential campus. 
after what's going on at the well house in Birmingham. So transitioning from juvenile to adult, talk us through what it looks like when someone comes into the program and then how that's going to change to the new program. So our director of survivor care, Kelsey Mize, who's a genius, Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. is busy developing kind of a six-stage program for for residential. And it will include a trafficking-specific intensive outpatient program, or an IOP in the, Mm. that's social work speak. Cool. Um, (laughs) But so she is developing an IOP specifically for trafficking. Usually IOPs are centered around addiction or eating disorders. Those are the only sort of approved kind of IOPs. Okay, interesting. And so we want one that's specific to trafficking victims. And one doesn't exist right now. So you are... Kelsey is literally developing something right, and from the we're, ground up. We're consulting with other hmm. experts around the country. We're looking at other programs and other strategies. We know that evidence-based curriculum and programming works. And so we will be bringing some of that in and then creating some things on our own. But there will be stages that the survivor can walk through. And it starts with that emergency crisis stabilization. So what you're getting at is, let's say you have a group of people that you've been working with for a longer amount of time, five, six months, they have practices, structure in place that are allowing them to go on their healing journey. If you bring in someone who is fresh out of the life, fresh within that first 30 days you're talking about, that can be harmful for both sets of people. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, you you don't take somebody who needs the emergency room to the rehab center, right? Right. You Mm -hmm. take them to the emergency room Mm -hmm. before. So we we have an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding with Thistle Farms, and they have four emergency beds. Okay. Um, But if those are full, then our only other option is a hotel room. So Mm. you take a victim out of a hotel room, and then you put them back into a hotel room. Ah. It is not a good solution. And so what we're trying to do is acquire a property specifically just for that first 30 days crisis stabilization. Yeah, okay. And we hope we'll be able to do that this year. So this six-stage program that is being developed right now, it's two years? It's two years. Two years. So we're going from nine months to two years. You know, once you have a client in a safe and stable environment, they can begin to process some of the complex trauma that they've experienced. Understanding that recovery is not linear, and there are going to be ups and downs in that. Uh, And we want to make sure we're walking along with them as they go up and as they go down. That relationship between the client and our staff and our programming is incredibly important. We got a call two weeks ago from a client that actually I brought to Inside Tennessee while I was with the TBI. She was a juvenile client, and she was struggling. Um, she had some setbacks and called us. Hmm. Um, she called me. She reached out uh, through social media and found me, and we were able to help her start back on the road. And... She understands that our commitment to her is for life. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not just for that six months. It's not even for just for that two years. It is a lifetime commitment to her. And she knows because of the relationships that we were able to develop with her and the trust that she has in us, she can call us, doesn't matter where she is or what's happening, and we're going to try to help her. One of my favorite conversations from the second season of this podcast was when we were talking about staff burnout, and this just goes to this place being a great place for staff, is when you when you look at this as a long game, that this is a lifetime commitment, turnover in staff 
is not good. Burnout in staff cannot be a thing when you're looking at a long game in relationships. I think we have to show that we value an employee, not just um, therapy and staff outings, and those things are great. Um, but at some point, they also have to pay the bills. And our market doesn't reward or doesn't value social workers the way they should. Mm. And so if you look at the market for that occupation, it's pretty abysmal. And so what we want to do is really try to invest, understanding that the more we invest in our staff, the more they can invest in the client. And so we want to continue to be maybe slightly above the market. And that way we also get sort of the cream of the crop and hopefully they'll stay. Well, we're leaders. I mean, we have been leaders innovating this brave new horizon of, of serving people who have had this kind of trauma. And as leaders, we need to attract leaders and we need to compensate mm-hmm. them well. We expect our survivors to be able to have compensation as well, too, once they've healed. And so we are just modeling that as well within our organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we are where we are on the cusp of just this tremendous, wonderful change. And I also want to say that all of the staff members who have come before, uh, including the leaders of this agency, helped propel us and get Mm -hmm. us to where we are today. And so even if you came and you went, you were valued while you were here and you played a part in getting us to where we are right now. Yeah. Another theme we're going to be talking about this season is about housing, about employment for these survivors. And so the fact that this organization is now investing so heavily into housing and long-term goals of having lots of housing options for both juveniles and adults is an incredible sign of long-term healing and restoration, not just emergency care, which is important, but long-term thriving from survival to thriving, which is a really, really great example. We can do the therapy and we can do the groups and we can start somebody on the road or the journey to healing. But if when they leave us, they can't afford safe and stable housing and they can't get a job that pays probably less than minimum wage or right at minimum wage, they're not going to succeed. That is not a sustainable That sets them right into vulnerability, which then starts the cycle again. And so bringing in this this workforce workforce development piece, and we're going to be partnering with Viable, and they're a nonprofit out of Brentwood, partnering with them because they do this really well. They've done it for years outside the United States, working with vulnerable populations to increase skill sets and levels so that individuals can apply for and gain higher wage jobs. That's great bigger skills, better skills, better pay. And so I've been meeting with Ben Turner, the CEO at Viable, for several years. Almost as soon as I took over here at In Slavery, like we're starting some beta testing with some survivors. We're placing some folks. You know, Ben's brought in occupational therapy because the other part of this is you've got to support these survivors when they're new in the job, when they're new in the career development. And so it without supporting them, without calling them and saying, hey, how's it going? How was work this week? Any problems jump up? And that survivor feeling like they have somebody they can talk to, hey, this came up in the workplace and I didn't know how to handle this. Or I was feeling insecure this day because this happened. How do I work through this? And so 
having that support in the workplace is going to be incredibly important to sort of the long-term sustainability of a job for these survivors. Because in some cases, these are going to be the first jobs they've ever had. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so learning how to exist in the workplace, learning what to wear and how to act, how to send the email, what's professional, what's not professional, transportation, hugely important. Many survivors don't have transportation. So all of those things play a part in creating barriers or roadblocks for survivors to get to that point where they can get good jobs. And not just a job, frankly, that they're going to work for six months. That's kind of a dead-end job. We'd really love to start them on a career path or place them in a job where there's an opportunity for growth. When we build out the cottages on this property... And we're able to transition women into sort of pseudo-independent living on the campus, still in a supported environment. They can engage in apprenticeships, internships, a jobs training program that otherwise, if they're living in with us for six months and then they're out, they can't do. They don't have the opportunity to do. Yeah. We'd like to thank Junior League of Nashville for being a community awareness partner with someone like me. Our producers are Stacey Elliott, Caitlin Reed, and myself, Leslie Eiler-Thompson. In addition to being a producer, Claire Bidegary-Curtis is our engineer, and she is assisted by Selena De La Cruz. Special thanks to our intern, Riley Herman. The original music you hear is by Zach and Maggie White. Find out more about Ancora TN at ancoratn.org. That's A-N-C-O-R-A-T-N.org. <laughs>